we are warned early and often against judging people, right? How many times haven't you heard it spoken to you? Who are you to judge me? Right? Don't judge. And yet we do all the time, don't we? Maybe some of those situations early in that video rang a bell for you. Someone cuts us off in traffic. Somebody steals our parking lot. Somebody offends us in in some mundane or maybe profound way. Somebody, we see somebody who sits into a social category that we created in our minds, and we judge them, right? We assign them a value. Often we do that by calling them a name. Sometimes some of us have learned to not speak that name out loud, but maybe it's up in our brains. Loser. Fool. Honestly, the names we most likely use, I can't say up here because I get in trouble. Right? We do. We judge. Many of those names reduce people to something less than human, to a behavior or a body part or an animal. We've all heard whole categories of people being torn down. They're not human. They're just animals. We judge. Some people aren't, aren't that far down the judgment scale. But we still don't have much value for them. We don't assign much value to them. Most of us, in our brains, in our minds, we carry this this unspoken list of people who we don't consider to be very important, and we treat them that way, right? You know, the, the customer service rep who you just chewed out on the phone? Not very important, right? To you. Or the person who just called you to chew you out on the phone? Not very important. The, the cashier at the grocery store who's moving way too slowly for your full schedule? The, the impatient driver swerving his way down the highway at 100 miles an hour, putting all of our lives at danger? The neighbor with the barking dog whose dog barks at 7 o'clock every morning, including Saturday morning when you wish you could sleep in? The obnoxious, intoxicated person sitting next to you at the Detroit Tigers baseball game? We judge. We give labels. They don't mean much to us. And all the while, while we're assigning value at the bottom end of this scale, we're we're striving to move ourselves up that scale. Maybe that's why we do that. If we put more people down below, we get to go up higher, right? We're trying to get to the top of this this value, honor scale in the world, right? In fact, years ago, many years ago, I was at at a, a large church for a conference, and it was a large, more traditional church. And I had one of their church bulletins. I looked on the back, and, and they listed all their pastors there. They must have had a dozen pastors. And, and um, they all had the title, The Reverend. And so they listed The Reverend So-and-So, The Reverend So-and-So, The Reverend So-and-So, The Reverend. And right in the middle was one person who got the title, The Most Reverend So-and-So. New life goal for me. How do you become the most reverent? How do, you, how do you step up that scale one more step and become not just the reverent, but the most reverent, right? We, we actually give some people the very title honorable, don't we, in that honor scale. The honorable, it's a, we give that to judges, to, to federal and state officials. You are granted honor. Perhaps that's a title that we should use more often. Honorable. Because that's a title that God has given to every single one of us. 
we're in our second week of our Inside Out series as we're looking at, at the second core value today. The, the, the core value that we as followers of Jesus Christ must develop on our insides and then put into practice on our outsides in our daily decisions and our choices and actions and behaviors. Last week we were challenged to live out the core value of unity. This morning our core value is honor. Because every single person who has ever lived, who is living right now, and who will ever live, holds within them an intrinsic, intrinsic God-given value that demands respect and honor and love. As the video said, they hold within them the glow of the divine. Mark Middleberg, in his book, Becoming a Contagious Church, he writes this profound paragraph. Let me read to you what he wrote. Like Jesus, we need to see every person as someone who is created in the image of God and who is loved by him. It doesn't matter how old they are, what color they are, what country they're from, how much money they have, how much education they have, what job they hold, or even how flagrant their sins are. They have great value in God's eyes, and their repentance will bring rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. You've never locked eyes with anyone who does not matter to the Father. That's high value. So let's look at where, where that intrinsic value and honor comes from. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, the very first page in your Bible, page 1. Here in Genesis 1, we hear the creation story that lays the foundational value of this creation and of all of us as human beings. So after five days of creating this glorious universe around us, on day six, God creates us, the pinnacle of his creation, human beings. Start at verse 26 with me and listen to the story of us. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You and I, Verse 26 and 27 tells us, are made in the image of God. That's what sets us apart 
from the rest of creation, right here. The difference in day six between all the other days is we are made in the image of God. And my guess is most of us have heard that fact before, that phrase, it's nothing new so far. But I wonder if we truly understand what that truth means for us and the difference that it makes in our lives. And a significant part of our understanding of what it means to be created in the image of God comes from how the first hearers of this story would have understood those words. You see, when Moses, who wrote Genesis, first wrote that phrase, created in the image of God, he didn't make up something new. It's not a phrase that nobody had ever heard of before. In fact, it was pretty common in ancient times. Because ancient kings and rulers in that day referred to themselves as, as the image of God. It was the title that they used. They understood their royal power and authority to be directly linked to their deity, whatever deity that was that they worshipped. In their view, in their minds, to have royal blood was to have divine blood. They were related, directly related to the divine in a way that the common people under them were not. That's what gave them the power and authority to rule. That's why people had to obey them because they were the image of God. They were divinely connected to God Almighty. Well, now here in Genesis 1, God says, let us make mankind in our image. He does exactly that in verse 27, where we're told that's what he does. God created mankind in his own image. That means, that means that God is instilling divine honor in all people. In God's eyes, every single human being is royal is directly connected to the divine. All humanity is related to God and is deserving of honor and respect, not just the king, every single person. Remember what Mark Middleberg wrote. He said it doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter what color they are, what country they're from, how much money they have. It doesn't matter how much education they have or what job they hold or even how flagrant their sins are. They have great value in God's eyes. Because they are directly related to God, that means they deserve honor. Right, that... That image of God truth establishes for us some pretty foundational truths in how we live our lives and how we view each other in this world. Three things. First of all, it defines our relationship to God. We often get caught up debating when we're trying to understand the image of God of how we look like God. What does that mean? And some of us think, well, we must look like him physically, right? And so we imagine God to have arms and legs, and if not arms and legs, at least eyes, nose, and a mouth so we can relate to him. Right? So we think we must have the image of God in our physical bodies. And other people say, no, that's not the case. It's our mind. It's our ability to reason like the rest of creation doesn't have that, that sets us apart, and that's the image of God. And others say, no, it's... It's really our conscience and our soul that, that we have and nobody else in creation has. That's what 
It means to reflect God's image. And this passage, Genesis 1, and the rest of Scripture never goes on to define, to say, this is specifically how you look like God. This is what the image of God means. And I think it doesn't do that because it's really all about our relationship with God. Not about just our physical bodies and minds. It's about our relationship. As human beings, again, we are in direct relationship with God as a child of the king. That encompasses us physically, spiritually, intellectually, body, mind, soul, every part of us. And every single one of us holds that position, receives that honor simply by our existence. And that includes every single one of you. You. Never forget that. Because some of us spend a lot of time wondering if we really matter in life. If we really matter in this world. Many of us struggle with our own self-image their self-value. You know, as, as little children, we think the world revolves around us, right? Moms and dads exist to serve us. And then as you grow up and you get to middle school and high school and college, we realize the world doesn't revolve around us. And we search for our place and we search for meaning, our place in the social world. And it can be hard. We begin to wonder if we really do matter, if we really do belong, and we question our value. Some people struggle with that very, very profoundly. And that struggle doesn't disappear once you become an adult. We still wonder about our value. Where's our value in our family system? Where is our value with our friends? Am I valued at my job, in my church? Do I even matter? And when that question comes up, when it leads you to discouragement, when it leads you maybe even to depression, remember this truth. You hold the profound honor of being created in the image of God. You have been created as royalty. You are a child of the almighty king. And there is nothing and there is no one that can ever take that value away from you. Remember that truth because the voice of Satan is going to keep whispering in your ear. He's going to whisper in your ear, you know what? You don't really matter. You are a loser. You have no value. Everybody else matters so much more than you. He's going to whisper that in your ear again and again. And Satan whispers his lie to you that you don't matter, that you have no value. God himself is going to shout his truth to you and say to you, you are my child and I love you. You matter immensely to me, enough that I sent my son to die for you. You are honored, you are valued, you are worth celebrating because you are you. Because you bear my image, I love you. Which voice are you going to listen to? Listen to the voice of God. 
the truth that he declares about you. When we hear that, when we understand that we are made in the image of God, related directly to him as his child, it will profoundly shape our relationship with God himself. It will profoundly shape our understanding of ourselves. We are honored. You are honored. Never let anyone tell you otherwise. Being made in the image of God also defines our relationship with him, a love relationship with him. It also defines in Genesis 1 here that we read, our relationship to God's glorious creation all around us. In this passage that we just read, we're given, all of us are given two assignments at, very, at the very start of creation. And it relates to the world around us. What God has already done in days 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, we as his image bearers are now called to keep on doing. We imitate him, right? So at the start of verse 28, we're called to create Right? Be fruitful. Increase in number. God says, as I have created something out of nothing, you create something. Be creative. We share in his image when we fulfill this command to create. And this creative ability goes way beyond just the, the, the physical act of giving new life and new birth. Yes, God wants the human race to flourish and to fill the earth. But what he wants reproduced for generations to come is the beautiful, good, godly creation that he started and loved so much. He wants his kingdom that he created here to be reproduced from generation to generation. And we do that as parents when we usher the kingdom of God into our families and into our children. We do that when we usher the kingdom of God into our workplaces, into our homes. We do that when we usher the kingdom of God into our school hallways into our, our athletic courts. We create by the power of the Holy Spirit, just as God did, a glorious, beautiful kingdom of God. Filled with beauty, wholeness, goodness, and shalom. So we're creative people. We create, we continue the creation God started. We also are called to be controllers. We control this creation. We are, God gives us dominion. We're to subdue it and to rule it. Now that can be abused, can't it? We need to remember that we need to use that power to control, to subdue, to rule the exact same way that God would use that power. Our goal must be to care for his creation and to make it flourish just like he desires not to use it for our own profit, not to use it for our own gain. The damage and abuse of this world that we see all around us, clearly a result of the fall. God doesn't give us permission for that. When we control this creation as an image bearer of God, we hold it very, very carefully just as God would. We treat it as the work of art that he created it to be. We imitate him in his care for creation. Okay, so it changes our, being made in the image of God changes our relationship with God. It changes our relationship with this creation. Thirdly, and perhaps most importantly this morning, being made in the image of God 
It defines our relationship with each other. It defines our relationship to every other single human being on the face of this earth. Because the honor that you and I have by virtue of our relationship to God, that that honor of being royalty, that honor of, of being a son and a daughter of the king, that honor is shared by every other human being in all creation. They are greatly honored just as you are greatly honored. The honor that tells you you matter also tells you that the person you're sitting next to matters and the person on the road matters and the person you see on the television screen matters that every single person matters immensely to God remember you've never locked eyes with somebody who doesn't matter to the father it's easy it's easy for us to give that honor to people who we like right to people who deserve it to people who we think are honorable. It isn't hard to give that image of God honor to our family members and our friends, to the fellow church members who sit here with us this morning, to to people who share our political perspectives and our opinions and, and our core life values. It isn't hard to give that honor to somebody who who is in a job that we respect and is doing that job well. It isn't hard when we understand that honor. It's what what inspires us to advocate for the unborn, right? That image of God in the unborn. It's what leads us to celebrate our special needs friends. It's It's that image of God that leads us to value life and honor life for those who who seemingly have no productive purpose in life, right? They don't need a productive purpose. They are honored and valued simply because they are children of God. That's the easy part. The hard part is that this truth means that we need to remember to give the image of God honor to the people that we judge as undeserving. To everyone. We must see the very image of God in the faces of illegal immigrants crossing the border. We need to see the face of God in the face of the gang member with blood on his hands. We need to see the image of God in the face of the mother trying to feed her family and her children on government assistance. We need to see the image of God in the face of the mentally ill man wandering downtown Grand Rapids that we drive past or walk past. We need to see the image of God in the prisoner sitting on death row who deserves to be there. We need to see the image of God in the face of the person who's struggling with his or her gender identity. We need to see the face of God in the atheist and the agnostic who challenges and denies the very existence of God in the face of every single person, no matter how deep their differences, no matter how flagrant their sin. Nothing they can do and nothing you can do 
can do will strip away the honor that each one of us has been granted as an image bearer of God. We are all sons and daughters. Even if we choose to deny it. Even those who cho choose to ignore it. Even those who choose to abuse it and become rebel sons and daughters. That makes them no less a son or a daughter. That does not and cannot take away the truth that every single human being is made in the image of God. And that image and likeness confers a divinely decreed dignity, worth, God-given equality to all of us as children of one God who is the creator of all things. That image confers honor to each person. You've never locked eyes with anyone who doesn't matter to the Father. You never locked eyes with anyone who doesn't deserve to be respected and honored as a child of God. Maybe a lost child, maybe a rebellious child, but still a child nonetheless. followers of Jesus Christ who are being transformed into his image will hold honor as a core value right inside, right next to that core value of unity. So if we hold that core value of honor deep inside of us, now we get to ask ourselves how we're going to treat ourselves, how we're going to treat this creation, how we're going to treat other people through that filter, through that truth. What will it look like for you to give yourself and every other person the honor they deserve as an image-bearing child of God loved immensely by God himself? What will it look like for each of us to live out that core value from the inside out? Let's pray for that answer. Would you pray with me? Father God, you know how quickly we judge. How quickly we dis dismiss people as unimportant, as not valuable, not worth our time, not worth our effort, not worth our attention, not worth our love. You know how often we think of that about ourselves too. Remind us, Father, that in your book, there is nobody in that category. Everybody matters. Everybody receives your love. Everybody is a son and a daughter. And your heart breaks for those who are hurting, for those who are lost, for those who are rebelling. And you love them all the same. So, Father, may we learn to give the honor that is due to everybody who's carrying the glow of the divine within them, the image of God. Show us best how to live that value from the inside out. Maybe some of us need to have that value cultivated on the inside yet. It's just a tiny little seed right now, and we need to figure out 
how to grow it, how to truly understand that honor. Some of us just need your help in learning how to apply it and how to let that core value be lived out in the people we deal with week to week, day to day, in the people that we drive by and dismiss very quickly, in the people we see on the television screen, in the people we pray for or choose not to pray for. Teach us, Father, how to receive that honor and to give that honor in the best way possible. Thank you for assuring us that we matter immensely to you and for never letting us go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.